Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. All right, we are in Luke chapter four again today and uh, preaching sometimes gets people upset. Today we're going to see Jesus give a sermon and, and preaching sometimes upsets people. For as many people that say, good word, pastor, I was so blessed by what you had to say, preachers know at least one person walks away upset, maybe frustrated with what you have to say. I've preached messages messages before where mid-message I see a whole family get up and leave, and I know they're not coming back. Preaching It gets people upset because sometimes truth is hard to receive. It's hard to be told the truth. And sometimes uh, preaching gets people upset because what is said is not said with with enough nuance. It's not said with enough compassion. It's not said with enough grace. Again, Jesus, we're going to see today, he gives a sermon in his hometown. And the people get upset with him. They're upset with what he has to say. And again, because the truth he tells them is hard to receive and they just don't believe him. And because they don't believe him, because they reject him, they miss out on God's greatest gift. We're going to see in our text today that unbelief uh, has consequences, serious consequences. And the text is going to show us that to experience the salvation of God, we must believe in the Son of God. To experience the salvation of God, we must, must believe in the Son of God. Last week we learned Jesus is the Son of God. And, but this week we're going to see we have to believe that in a deep and meaningful way. But before we look at the text, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord, that it instructs us. God, your word, we're told, is, is sharp that it exposes our hearts. We pray, Lord, that our hearts would be exposed, yes, but our hearts would also be comforted and helped by what we hear from your word. We pray that you would help us. Thank you for this opportunity to teach our church. I pray that I would do that well uh, for the edification and help of my brothers and sisters. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Verse 14 says, And and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and, and a report about him went throughout all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So Jesus is back in his hometown, and he's in, he's in not in his hometown, sorry, he's in Galilee, and a report about him is starting to spread. His, his teaching skill is actually bringing him some fame. Luke says that when he teaches, he is glorified by all. And he's doing all this, notice it says, in the power of the Spirit. It says in verse 14, he returned in the power of the Spirit. Luke Luke is reminding us that Jesus does everything by the Spirit's power, that he's the truly Spirit-filled man. We learned about that last week, that his life and his ministry is empowered by the Spirit. Jesus walked by the Spirit. And 
as followers of Christ, we are called to walk by the Spirit. We are to do the same. That's not optional for us as we try to live the Christian life. Galatians 5 says, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Think about that. Through love we are to serve one another. When you post something on your social media account, do you think that, that I'm supposed to serve people with this post? Is it, is it coming from a heart of love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Something that the Lord just brought home to me so clearly this week is that one of the things that Satan's trying to do in the time that we're in is divide us. That he's, he's trying to destroy unity. It's an intense time. We know that. There's things that are going on that are angering people, frustrating people. And Satan, if we're not careful, he will use that to divide our young church. It says, but if, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Spirit-filled living protects us. It protects us from harming ourselves. It protects us from harming others. And so we need to ask ourselves every day, is my behavior keeping in step with the Spirit? Are the things that I'm doing making the Spirit joyful or am I grieving the Spirit with my behavior? And if we see that my behavior is actually grieving the Spirit, then we are to repent and ask for God's forgiveness. The Holy Spirit, He guides us into all truth. He helps us in our weakness. He helps us to live in spirit-filled ways that protects us from sin and that protects the unity in our church. And so we are to ask the Spirit to, to fill us afresh every day, re renew us so that we can walk in ways that glorifies God and honors our, our faith. Verse 16 says, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. So Jesus comes home, and he does what he always does. He goes to the synagogue. It says, as was his, his custom. And in the synagogue, the, the flow of the, of the service would be, that there would be some singing, there would be praying, and then someone would read from the Word. And Jesus uh, is that person today. Verse 17 says, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Verse 20, And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Jesus reads the text, and then he sits down. He sits down because, again, in that culture, the, the, when you sat down, you were getting ready uh, to teach. I've been sitting down to teach our church for, for uh, the last three months, and standing today is, is, is filling me with joy, just to get to stand and talk. So Jesus, he sits, and it says that the eyes of everyone was fixed on him. The way I stare when I see a Range Rover, my favorite car. The way a child stares when they see 
a stranger. Everyone's eyes are on him. They're staring at Jesus. And that's because they're, they, they can't wait to hear what he has to say. Verse 21 says, And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus gives a one-sentence sermon. In one sentence, he, expo- he expounds the text. He says, today. So not in Isaiah's day, but today, this has been fulfilled. He says, in your hearing, as you are hearing my voice, the scriptures, what God has promised, what God said would come to pass, has been fulfilled. It's completed. You no longer have to wait. Jesus, what he's doing is he's telling them, he tells them he is the Messiah. He tells them he is the Messiah. He quotes from Isaiah 58 and 61. And Isaiah 61 speaks of God's coming Messiah. And that that, that when he comes, he would bring the salvation of God. And in one sentence, Jesus says, that's me. He says, the salvation of God has come. And then he tells them what he is going to do. He says, uh, he's going to proclaim. That's the key word in this section. He uses it three times. He says he's going to proclaim good news. He's going to proclaim liberty. He's going to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he's going to do it to four types of people. He says the poor, the captives, the blind, and the oppressed. The poor is talking about people who are living uh, in poverty. It's also talking about people who are excluded, the people who are outcasts. Jesus is saying that he's going to reverse the structure of victimization. And he says the captives. That's talking about people who are trapped in sin. People who are doing things that are harming themselves and harming others. And that word liberty can be translated release. It's tied to this idea of forgiveness. And what Jesus is saying here is that he is going to release people who are, who are held captive to sin and guilt. Because of him, they're going to experience uh, freedom. Blind speaks of those who are blind spiritually and physically. The message and ministry of Jesus is going to, is going to open people's eyes. And then the oppressed it's talking about people who are at the mercy of others. And in context, we need, to, we need to use this word and look at it in context. In context, it's talking about the people of Israel who are, in, who are being oppressed because they're under Roman rule. And then that phrase, the, uh, that phrase, the, the year of the Lord's favor, is actually talking about the year of Jubilee. It's a reference to Leviticus 25, which talks about that year, that year when, when people experience redemption, where people are set free from all kinds of things. And so when Jesus quotes this, what he's saying is that the year of Jubilee has come. It says that he's saying that because of me, because the Savior is here, the Messiah is here, people are going to experience freedom and forgiveness. And notice again, he says that the Spirit, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Jesus is telling them where the power will come from to do this. He says, he says this is going to be spirit-empowered ministry. 
the era he's telling them of salvation has begun because the anointed one has come. What we need to see with all of this is that Jesus, in his ministry, he ministered to the physical and the spiritual needs of people. Jesus' ministry, he cared about both in people's life, their spiritual condition and their physical condition. And he expects us as his church to do the same. Pastor Thabiti Enabwili says this, the, the primary means of setting people free in whatever their social or political circumstance is the proclamation of the gospel. The primary means, we got to hear that. The, the proclamation of the gospel is actually what solves some of the, not some, all of the problems. The gospel solves the problems that we see going on in our world. And if someone says right now that what, all that is going on, that the gospel isn't enough, and they're a Christian, they should ask themselves if they're actually a Christian. Because the gospel is the primary means. But watch this. But that means, here comes the balance and the nuance to this, that means that the gospel has to be so real, a gospel, that it addresses people in their social and political position. The gospel cannot be abstracted from the real condition of the people it addresses. The gospel we preach cannot be an, es an escapist pie-in-the-sky gospel. It must be a gospel acquainted with pain, grit, and smelling like marginalized people. The gospel must enter the world as it is and proclaim to a broken people a healing Savior. We should never be ashamed of the gospel. We should never be ashamed. It, we are to proclaim it because it's the power of God for salvation. But again, as we proclaim it, we can't lose sight of the people we're talking to and the social condition that they're in. We share the good news. We've got to do that. But we also look for ways to meet the needs of the poor. We look for ways to welcome those who are outcast, those who are lonely and struggling. We visit and minister to people in prison. We help the blind and people with struggling through disabilities. We comfort and help and advocate for people who are suffering abuse. The, the ministry in our church called Community Care is all a, that the heart of that ministry is these things. We want to both proclaim the gospel, but we also know that there's some social things that people are facing and we want to minister to those needs. But like Jesus, who was full of the Spirit, all of this that we do has to be done filled with the Holy Spirit. He is the one who gives us wisdom. He is the one that helps us to be strategic in our approach and help us avoid sin as we go about doing this. And all people spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? So they marvel. They, they like the, the first little bit of his message. They marvel at what comes from his mouth. They're, they're impressed with his speaking skill. They're also impressed because he's from their town. They know he's a hometown boy. They're impressed, but Jesus knows they're a little bit skeptical. Verse 23 says, And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote me uh, to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What, you have, what we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. They're skeptical. They, they watched him grow up, 
And so they're like, we, we know this guy. Ashayon pointed this passage out to me uh, this week, Matthew 15, or 13, sorry, 55. They say, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? They're like, we, we know him. How is, he, how is he now looking at us and saying he is the Messiah? See, because they know him, they thought that he was no one special. And lots of people today are in that spot. They, they believe Jesus existed, but they're like, he's no one special. But that's a, that is a dangerous spot to be in. If you're in that spot, you need to know that Jesus is someone special. He is the Son of God who came and gave his life. He lived a perfect life, and then he died in our place on the cross to cover our sin. He died in order to give us an opportunity at life. And when you see him for who he is, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Jesus is the Savior that we all need. That's why Luke, in Luke 2, we, we talked about this one earlier in the series, Luke 2, 11, It says, today, the angel said, today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you and me, who is the Messiah. He's the Savior we all Need. Jesus tells them he's the Messiah, but the people don't believe him. They don't believe him. He sensed their doubt. He knows that they wanted proof. They're thinking, all right, Jesus, if you are the Messiah, prove it. Show us. Work a miracle. Even there's a little bit of, of in the statement where they think Jesus is actually crazy. That's why they're like, heal yourself. They think something is wrong with him. He senses their unbelief, and then he warns them. Verse 24, it says, and he said... Truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you that there was many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when, his, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months and a great famine came over the land. And Elijah was sent to no, none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the, in the time of the prophet Elijah. And none of them were cleansed, but only only Naaman the, the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. Jesus warns them. He, he warns them. He tells them that by not believing in me, that you're actually putting yourself uh, in danger. He tells them first of the, the prophet Elijah, uh, who was sent to a widow who was in a desperate situation. She was down to her last meal, and Elijah goes to her and he asks her to give him uh, food. First Kings 17 says, And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. She's like, I'm, on, I'm down to my last meal and we're just going in and we're going to eat and that's going to be it for us. But he said, Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as I have said. He tells her, go, go do what I've, I've asked. But first, make a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. Watch this. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Elijah is asking her to have faith. 
He's saying, thus says the Lord, God has said this. You need to put your faith in what God has said. And when you read that story, she does. She believes, and then she experiences the miracle. Now, the second story teaches the same thing. Naaman was a rich outsider. He was the commander of, of, of one of the armies of Israel's most hated enemy. And he had leprosy. So like this widow, he's needy. He's a, both the Naaman and the widow are needy outsiders. They're outside the Jewish community. And so he travels from Syria to, the, to see the prophet Elisha. And then Elisha tells him what he needs to do to be cleansed. He says, go to the Jordan River and wash. So 2 Kings 5 says, but Naaman was angry and went away saying, behold, I thought that, that surely uh, that he uh, would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. He's like, I thought he would come and talk to me. So he's mad at first. He says, are not Abana and the rivers of Damascus better than all the rivers, the, all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he, he kind of doesn't want to do it at first. He's mad. So he turned and went away in rage. But his servant came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word that the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? So he, he's like, the, 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 someone comes to him and says, you, need, you probably need to do this. Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? In verse 14, so he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. This on Naaman's part, like the widow, was an act of faith. Naaman and the widow, they believed God's word and they, and they acted on it. And when they did, they experienced God's saving power. With, with this example, Jesus is saying to them, if you don't believe in me, this is where the warning is. He's like, if you don't believe, if you reject me, you will miss out on experiencing God's salvation. You will miss out, but the Gentiles will receive it. And they will receive it because he's saying to them also, the Gentiles are included in God's plan. He's saying, when you... We Again, I, I mentioned this way back. One of the main themes in the Gospel of Luke is that the Gentiles are included in God's redemptive plan and what He is doing. He wanted them to put their faith in His Word, not signs. And He wants that from us today. See, lots of people in our culture, they're like, I'd believe in Jesus if He would just work a miracle, if He would just do something. Again, dangerous position to be in. You don't want to stay in that spot. You want to believe what God has said in his word. You want to take God at his word about what he has said about his son, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior that we need. Because when we do that, we gain salvation. But when we reject that, we miss out on God's greatest gift. Verse 28 says, And when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the, to the brow of the hill on which, they, on which the town was built so they could throw him down the cliff. They want to kill him. They like the intro of his message, but they hate the conclusion. They want him gone. And like the Incredible Hulk, their anger is visible. They, you can see it. it there's, there's no hiding it. The text says that they're filled with wrath, that they want to throw him down the cliff. 
And here we see just how quickly anger can lead us to a place of sin. And we need to watch out, guard against anger. We're, right now, so many people are angry. And, and so many of us are tempted to act and respond to things in anger. But remember, James 1.20 says, The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Verse 30 says, But passing through their midst, he went away. Luke doesn't give us an explanation as to how Jesus gets away from them. He just, he just says that he, he just passed through and he, he got away un, unscathed. He was not hurt. We see Jesus' escape here. And this escape points forward to the resurrection. The ultimate escape from death. Jesus escapes death here, but he escapes death later when the Holy Spirit raises him from the dead. And in doing that, it shows that all of our sin was paid for. It also shows that Jesus truly is who he says he is, that he is the Messiah. His resurrection had life-altering results for those who believe, those who believe in him. That is the key. And that's what Jesus warns against here. He warns against unbelief, the danger of unbelief, but when we believe in who he is, that he is, truly is the Messiah, there's life-altering results that come to our life. We experience God's salvation. Again, to experience the salvation of God, we must believe in the Son of God. We must believe. Hear the warning in the text and don't reject Jesus. See him for who he truly is because when we embrace him and so many of us have experienced this already he transforms and changes our life we experience the salvation of god let's pray father we thank you lord god for your son jesus christ we thank you for your word and how it points to who he is we pray lord god that you would truly help us that you would help us, O oh God, to walk by the Spirit. Lord, he, your Son was anointed by the Spirit, and we, that same Spirit that anointed Him has been poured out in our hearts. And you ask us and tell us now to keep in step with the Spirit. Help us to do that. Help us to care for the poor, the hurting, the marginalized, those, those who need to be loved, Lord, but also help us to proclaim the gospel, the, the good news that, has, that can change people's circumstances and change whole communities. Help us to be about that and help us, Lord God, to believe in your son, to trust in his name, to believe that he is our Messiah and to tell others of that. I pray for those who don't believe, Lord God, that you would, you would open their eyes, you would show them and that you would save them for your glory and their good. God, we thank you for the church, our church. We pray that you would continue to give us wisdom as we uh, try to just think through what it means to be back together again. Help us to trust you, that you are guiding all of our moments, that this is not an accident, that our times are truly in your hands, and to rest in you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.